This is New England Patriots running back and three-time Super Bowl champion James White. You're listening to the Two Minute Drill. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Minute Drill. Joined today by guys Mike Cadlick. Great to have you on, Mike. Uh, back with Kevin again. And before we hop into any other Patriots news, we got to start with what we're probably going to be starting with for the foreseeable future until he makes his decision. DeAndre Hopkins is on his visit in New England right now. Um, Mike, can you tell us anything you may know about that, where things you feel like could be heading? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's good to, uh, good to be here, chop it up, and talk some Patriots with you. Um, as far as knowledge on the Hopkins situation, uh, I wish I knew more. They're doing a pretty good job at uh, – keeping it uh, under lock and key over there. I basically know what everybody else knows and that uh, as of right now on Thursday at 3.33, Hopkins is still in the building. Uh, there is no deal set. However, um, according to Ian Rappaport anyway, uh, it sounds like uh, it's, quote, interesting from him mm-hmm. that he is still there. So that makes it makes me think that there's potentially uh, some, you know, in-depth contract talks going on going into the – like 24 hour mark of this visit. Yeah. So um, in my opinion, I think, you know, pony up, get the deal done. Um, he's a guy who clearly knows the system, played with Bill O'Brien before a guy who would come in and, and I'm sure we'll get into all this, but a guy that can come in and, you know, dictate coverage and be your number one on offense. I think it's a slam dunk and I know they, they have the space to make it happen. So it really, uh, it feels like a fit for all parties. So, again, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, like you, like I said, as of right now, uh, visit is still going on in Foxborough. So, what I heard, Mike, I don't know if this is 100% um, factual or not, but I heard that uh, Brian Belichick actually blew out his knee and he was um, getting surgery this morning. So, Bill actually was down at the hospital with Brian. Um, so, that might have been the delay. That might have been the delay in why Hopkins is still there. Um, wow, I do like because okay. obviously the reporting that Ian Rappaport does, like he has been very stern on this whole thing. He's been saying like he's very surprised that Hawkins is doing a two day visit. New England doesn't do any visits. And I feel like when Ian really has some insight, because obviously Ian was first a, a beat reporter, a beat reporter for the Patriots. And like right. he knows something more than everyone else because he's keeping this such a positive thing. And like the Titans visit, he was quiet. He's like, yeah, he's visiting in Tennessee because of Mike Vrabel and the offensive coordinator for the Titans. And he's like, but I don't really know. And then we bring up New England. He's like, this one makes a lot of sense. (laughs) New England wasn't done. Like there was something like there was one more need that they were going to do. And this just seems like the right one right now. Yeah, that's a good point. There's, there's must be some, you know, some sort of validity to that. I mean, the fact that he must have some, some ears in the building still, um, but I feel like too, the, the rhetoric that he's kind of put forth is that he sort of seems like, sounds like he's on the Hopkins end on the, you know, working with Hopkins agent as well and kind of putting some stuff out there. Like, look, there's going to be a lot of interest and he doesn't want to sign right away because there could be more money out there. So it sounds like Rappaport's kind of driving up his price, uh, driving up Hopkins price that is as well. So um, again, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. The, the Brian Belichick thing's fascinating. I actually didn't hear that. I wonder, uh, I wonder what, what, how true that is. But um, again, yeah, you're right. That could sort of, uh, push push the visit back a bit but no I think uh I think rap sheet you know knows knows what's going on he's obviously him and Schefter you know the two guys you should uh you should listen to on a a thing like this especially in New England where they keep everything so lock and key so um again yeah there's a lot of uh reporting out there you'll see 
you'll see a bunch of fake Twitter accounts saying that, you know, he's already signed and this and that. Put on the notifications for Schefter and Rappaport and just wait. That's my There's already, that's my there's already been um, two yeah. of those already. CJ Goldstein. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, those guys got to knock it off. <laughs> yeah. They just do that with everybody. But, yeah, yeah exactly. you, you touched on it there, Rappaport maybe being – a little bit more involved from the Hopkins side, from the agent side. I saw him. He went on Pat McAfee this morning. I'm not sure if you caught that. Um, But he was talking about exactly that. He was mentioning Adrian Amos as kind of a similar situation where he looked like he was maybe about to go to Baltimore. Jets have an injury happen in their safety room. His value goes up. He gets a bigger contract there. So he was talking about Hopkins probably wanting to wait um until closer to training camp you know see if anybody gets hurt see if things change with these other teams maybe somebody gets more cap room but yeah I mean we don't know why he's still in New England right now the Brian Belichick things you know out there of course um but and then you have all those people on Twitter trying to say you know he's in New England right now because we're going over the incentives and teaching him the playbook and finalizing this contract or whatever but regardless of if the decision is made today or not let's just Fast forward a couple weeks, let's say he signed with the Patriots. Kevin and I talked about this a bit last week. How do you feel about this team pre and post DeAndre Hopkins, kind of what the expectation should be? How much of an impact do you actually think he makes? Yeah. Um, look, I, I've, you know, tweeted about it and wrote about it every so often. Just uh, what I, again, it's it's obviously kind of a, I don't want to say heinous, but it's kind of a, you know, throw out a prediction out there, right? You, you see the schedule mm-hmm. and you, you, you tally win loss, win loss. I put them at 11 and six, and that could be my Homer, my Homerism coming out of me. Obviously I've grown up a Patriots fan my whole life. I'm lucky enough now to be covering the team, but uh, look, I think they can compete. I think their defense is really solid. You know, you have guys like Matthew Judon and, you know, Jawan Bentley's back and Josh Uche had a career year last year. You talk about Kyle Duggar, somebody who, is, you know, probably going to be a fringe pro bowl or all pro this season. Who's going to get a hefty contract. Uh, yeah. You lose Devin McCourty, but I mean, you draft Christian Gonzalez, you then can bump Jalen Mills back to the safety room. Jack Jones, Marcus Jones were good last year. So, I mean, their defense is, is solid. They're going to be um, the same, if not better than they were last year. Um, and then you, you look at the offensive side of the ball and look, last year was awful. It was, you know, the abject disaster. I, I always talk about it and now it's like, okay, we're in, you know, June of 2023. Let's try and, you know, move forward and move past this thing. So you bring in Bill O'Brien, you bring in uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Kosicki, guys, you know, who can help dictate coverage, run an offense, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you're kind of cooking with gas on offense too, right? Mac Jones has looked solid from the first couple practices we've seen from them so far. Uh, and then Hopkins, that puts them – on a whole nother level, in my opinion, I think at that point you should expect to make the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, as Robert Kraft has said, and everyone really says, once you get to the playoffs, anything's possible. So um, you add Hopkins to the mix that just opens up guys like Juju Smith, Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, uh, even more so than they already, you know, will be schemed up by O'Brien. Uh, the thing that you, you had mentioned before about the Amos thing, as far as mm-hmm. being like um, injury, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like injury insurance, I guess. Yeah. Look, Ju- Juju, Tyquan Thornton both missed the last couple mm-hmm. weeks of uh, the offseason program with injuries. So I've, cu- I've sort of thought about where this team goes if they do sign Hopkins and if there's going to be an on-man out. But, I mean, realistically, you could bring in Hopkins. You could still keep everybody else around. And then you just have even more insurance for a room that's filled with, you know, two guys who have been injury-prone, add a third and Parker to that mix, a guy who's 31, and then 
Kendrick Bourne and, you know, whatever rookie you want to add. So yeah, I think if I, they sign Hopkins, they could keep the whole room. And again, I, I have um, maybe a little bit higher expectations for them this season, but again, I think they have a pretty good roster. So we'll see. Yeah, I think with what you talked about there, a lot of people early on have kind of pegged Devontae Parker to be that odd man out. But that yeah. is an interesting point that you brought up where I don't think we would be so quick to try to move on from him with Tyquan right. Thornton and Juju having these current injury issues. So if that proceeds for either guy or if they pick up you know, another nagging injury, you could get right. away with keeping everybody and just kind of having that extra depth in your wide receiver room. Um, yeah, when we had talked about it last week – I. I said I felt like the Patriots are a team that certainly should be fighting for a playoff spot this year. I could see them sneaking in. Um, I think Hopkins surefire takes us in, and I think we could probably win a game, win two games once we get there. Um, I don't know if you've been seeing this, but I've been seeing a ton of people on Twitter looking at the Miami Heat and the run that they just went on and comparing it to the Patriots and saying that, you know, we're a team where we don't have crazy star power, but I think we're probably going to have a top five defense in the NFL. We run the ball well. And against better teams, we can kind of muck up games and dominate time of possession and play very close. You know, we're not an easy team that you're just going to walk through. And once you get to the playoffs, single elimination, as you said, anything can happen. Do you think this is a team that, you know, maybe could rally around something like that? Not like exactly watching the Miami Heat, but in the same kind of way, just – they play tough all year, and once they get to the playoffs, you know, they could heat up, rattle off a couple wins, and go on a run. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I think they're sort of, you know, and I, I've sort of thought about actually writing something along these lines um, in some sort of column form where, like, okay, last year was a disaster, but they were one win away from the playoffs. If they had won that mm-hmm. game in Week 17, they would have ended up as the 17, right? So you you go in, you change things, and now you're confident, so – you have the offense that you kind of wanted last year and you move on with a great defense. So now you're a competent team, but is it enough? Like that's sort of where my head's at now. Like, okay, sure. You're, you can run an offense that you didn't have last year, but is that going to, you know, really do anything in an AFC East and an AFC, you know, conference overall, that's so crowded. You talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the jets and obviously the chiefs. And I mean, you go down the line, Buffalo, Cincinnati, like there are some really damn good teams in the AFC. So, it's going to be tough, but I mean, I, I kind of like the way you put it, right? Once you get into the dance, you can sort of muck it up. And mm-hmm. Belichick has always zigged when other teams have zagged. And look, Mac Jones, I, I'm a Mac fan. I'm team Mac. I think he can Thank be, you, uh, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Because Dan, <laughs> Dan is not. So I'm, I'm, I'm the Mac much. Jones hater on this podcast All right. for sure. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, again, I, I guess you guys could probably meet in the middle on this then. Mac's not going to be a guy who's going to go out there and, you know, throw for 400 yards a game and throw the ball 50 times and, mm-hmm. you know, dive across the field like Patrick Mahomes did in the Super Bowl and, you know, get a play after you had Madden even though they lost the game, right? So, like, I mean, it's not the way he plays quarterback. And, again, that's why I kind of – excuse me, why I kind of say the Patriots say when everybody else zags because he's still smart. He can run a system, but he's not your Joe Burrow. He's not your Josh Allen. He's not your Pat Mahomes. And mm-hmm. if the Patriots can prove they can win like that, then that's fine. But yeah. we haven't really seen it yet. So it's going to be it, – obviously, it's a big year. But, um, again, they, they can muck it up with the way, like you said, they play offense, you know, r- run the ball, pound the rock with Amandre and whoever else is in the running back room. So 
I, yeah. Ultimately, I think I, I, I would agree with you that, you know, once you get in the dance out, anything can happen. We'll see what happens. But mm-hmm. they well, did that a few years ago and then they got their shit pushed in by the exactly. Bill, so, uh, it's a back and forth for sure. So this team kind of reminds me like this is a Bill Belichick system and his philosophy of how he runs a football team. It will never change. I think he's been doing it since he's with the Giants and the Browns. And yeah. this team kind of reminds me of that like 01 to 03 Patriots teams were. Like, obviously, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. But back then, he wasn't asked to do as much as he was as he was growing into the league. Like, he was running the offense that he was the play calling. And um, that defense was number one in the league, which our defense, I think, will be top three. I don't even think it's top five. I think that the additions that we made to that defense is unreal. You have a like good run offense. game going. Mm-hmm. So I just think that this with the way that Belichick runs the team, as long as Mac doesn't turn the ball over, I think Bill expects to win every single game. And that's how Bill's philosophy of football shows. So I think that the 11-6 marks a good chance. And I think mm-hmm. that if you get a team verse like Mahomes and you get Allen, we've beaten them before. So I think that Belichick, that confidence, I think that's what rises the Belichick philosophy of football. I just wonder how much the how much it um... – Again, how much it can translate into winning games because they won games like that in 2001, but the league hadn't changed into this, you know, pure passing league that it was or that it is now. And so how does that match up in, you know, in the middle of January when you have to go to Cincinnati or Kansas City and try and win a football game? Like, can they muck it up to a level where they can actually pull one of those games out? I don't know. The last time we saw it happen, again, they got got pumped by Buffalo. So uh, obviously that team, again, that team in Max rookie season, I have more confidence in this team going into this 100%. year than I did in, in yeah. that season. So again, I guess I, we'll see what happens. But they can they can hopefully make some noise. Yeah, no, I I mean you touched on it there. I think it's the NFL we see now how passing heavy it is. It's a lot more reliant on the quarterback. And even if you are mucking these games up or whatever, the Patriots, yeah. unless Mac Jones is going to be able to, he's going to have to at some point in those games lead a big drive or make a couple big throws. Um, and we might even need a brick to go our way where like, you know, turnovers from the defense, Marcus Jones runs a pump back, whatever it may be. Right. My thing with Mac Jones is just, I haven't seen that from him in a lot of big games, even just as a game manager. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping we can see that this year. It's, you know, I, I said it there. I'm, I'm the Mac Jones hater on this podcast, <laughs> I guess, because Kevin's so much more optimistic about him while I'm a little bit more of the pessimist, but you know, sure. I still want him to be good. We're, we're in a terrible spot if he's not our guy because we're not going to have a top pick in the draft coming up. And, you know, right. we'd have to move some things around, probably trade him when, you know, apparently his value wasn't all that this offseason when we maybe looked into that. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of a leash with all of that in mind do you think Mac Jones has this year? I don't think there's any real quarterback competition between him and Zappy. I know, obviously, that was nuts last year around midseason, <laughs> but – how long until the team would kind of pull the plug on him, do you think? That's a good question. And from what I've taken in from being down in Foxborough these last couple of weeks at OTAs and minicamps, it doesn't look like there's any any sort of real competition at the position. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, obviously. Um, again, that's going into the season. There's, you know, no games have been played. So match your quarterback right now. Um, and even though they, they gave Zappy a couple reps with the ones on Tuesday, they they gave like Malik Cunningham and Ed Lee and all those guys reps in 11. So, too. So, mm-hmm. it's that that was nonsense, isn't the right word, but I don't think they that was anything more than them giving Zappy a chance at the ones just, just for shits and giggles. So, yeah. um, 
right now, no competition. As far as Max Leash, um, I mean, look, the, the beginning of their schedule with Philly and Miami and uh, the Jets are in there and there's one other game, Dallas, I think. So, I mean, yeah. they, they start tough right at the beginning. So, I mean, again, if you're 1-3, 0-4, oh which I don't expect them to be, but I guess that's in theory a possibility with, you know, the teams that you have at the front. Um, it's going to depend on how well Max playing and if it's really his fault. Um, if they're 0-4, I could see them sort of trying to change things up. But th- at, at that point, you are, like, giving up on Mac Jones forever. Um, yeah. You can't do it two, two seasons in a row. It's not going to work out. Um, so if you turn away from Mac that early, I would say that that's probably the end of Mac Jones in New England. But um, he'll get a chance uh, through that those first, you know, four or five games. And then if it's really as bad as we saw from them last season, again, with the change in personnel, you bring in Hopkins, you bring in Juju, you bring in Bill O'Brien, you bring in a new offensive line coach, a whole new system, and a guy with a quarterback who's supposed to be smart. If he can't figure that out through four games, then I don't see why they why they shouldn't, you know, switch over to their backup quarterback. So we'll see what happens. But I would say the first month of the season, you'll get a good idea of what you have in Matt Jones. So, so Mike, you kind of led me into my next question. Me and Dana talked about this last week on the podcast. How much blame do you put on Mac Jones for his uh, poor performance last season? Do you put much blame on him? Or is it kind of like a forego, forget it? Or do you think that Mac needs to take some responsibility for the offense last season? Um, I mean, I think a majority of it is on the shoulders of Belichick and Patricia and what they put around him. I mean, again, they gave the guy nothing. Uh, the fact that, you know, it was actually a not only an idea, but a thing that went forward, that gave, you know, you gave Matt Patricia the keys to the offense when he's never done the thing before was – Coaching malpractice is probably one of the worst decisions Belichick's ever made. So, I mean, Mac got dealt a shitty hand right from the jump. And in a season where, you know, you have a good rookie season, you make the playoffs, you lose your coordinator, you're supposed to help out your second-year quarterback at that point. And they did absolutely nothing. So, from the jump, none of it was really Mac's fault. But the way he handled it down the stretch, I guess he could have done a little bit better of a job. You know, people always complain about him bitching at the refs and yelling and screaming on the sideline and, you know, tuning out Matt Patricia and blaming Joe Judge and all that. So, like, yeah, you want to, you want better out of your quarterback, but at the same time, do you blame him for throwing a hissy fit about that stuff? I mean, I can't blame him. I, again, you can only cold, you can only keep your composure for so long, even if you are, you know, supposedly the face of the franchise and a quarterback in the NFL. So, I mean, again, he didn't play great, but he didn't really have an opportunity to play great. So, sure, some of the blame is on him, but. I think you throw it out, you, you chalk up last season as a loss, and you move on, you give him a chance. And don't, you, I mean, you can't carry the blame over anymore, right? It's a new season, new coordinator, new, new journey, new job to get done. So, I mean, as yeah. far as blame goes, I guess he has some, but it doesn't really matter anymore. Yes, yeah, I mean, as critical as I can be about Mac Jones, I definitely agree with you there that I think I said it last week with Kev, like we just set him up to fail. We put a guy right. in there who's not an offensive coordinator – as far as, you know, additions for the offense, really all we did was we grabbed Devontae Parker and we shuffled the line around a little bit, getting rid of Shaq right. Mason, bringing in Cole Strange. Um, and then even even that, putting a, putting Patricia really in charge of the offensive line when you had a rookie starting and you were changing around tackles and all these other things. Right. Was, I mean, it was all just bad from the start. The benching of Kendrick Bourne, it was, it was a mess. Um, so I don't think you can hold that against Mac. I definitely agree with you, but... You know, there were some performances in there that were definitely frustrating. Uh, sure. I, I know he got hurt at the end, but, like, the Baltimore game stood out to me. He had some pretty, like, costly mistakes at the end of that game. 100%. Um, 
Um, but yeah, overall, you know, I agree with what you said. It's whether the blame's on him or not, you can't really dwell on that now. And this is a much different offense uh, with Bill O'Brien. And, you know, if DeAndre Hopkins comes in, it's a completely different offense. Right. And again, I feel like, uh, like you're not going to, how do I want to say this? He doesn't, he hasn't earned anything, right? He hasn't yeah. earned or doesn't really deserve a, th- a second, third chance go around, right? Like if they did trade him, if they did shop him, if they did move on and get, you know, get Bailey Zappi, I mean, I, I can't really, not that I can't blame them. Like he doesn't really, he hasn't earned a right to, you yeah. know, have another chance, but it would at be, the same it time, would be he harsh. He kind of deserves but, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's harsh. Like it's, I mean, again, you didn't give him a chance last season. So to say he deserves another one, maybe he's strong, but I don't see how you can look at last season and blame him for anything that happened. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think this year is by far the biggest year of his career. It reminds me a lot of what we saw with Daniel Jones in New York a couple yeah. of years ago, um, where everybody you know, was very understood that if you don't live up to expectations this season, you're probably gone. And, you know, the reason I – would like the Hopkins signing is because you can give him weapons to the point where, you know, if he doesn't succeed, you know, it's him. Like you can't look at the offense and be like, Oh, well, you know, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. Give him everything he can need to succeed and really see how far this guy can take you. The giants tried to do that with Kenny Galladay, Kadarius, Tony, a bunch Mm -hmm. of signings that didn't work out, but you know, they kind of realized what they had in Daniel Jones. So I'm hoping that, if we do bring in Hopkins now having an actual offensive coordinator, the line is, you know, a little bit better structure there where Wynn is finally out and we can yeah. have a better right tackle, whoever that's going to be. Um, yeah, no, I, I would say just put him in a position to succeed and see where he can take you. Right. Exactly. Give him, give him, give him an opportunity and then you go from there. And if it doesn't work out this year, then you move on. But yeah. I think this is, you, you, get, you have a much better idea of what you have in Mac Jones after this season than you do after last season. You know, definitely. So looking, you know, we're past past season. We're on to this one. We saw OTAs, a little bit of mini camp happen. Um, just give us your thoughts on like players that you saw shine. I saw. Um, I'm gonna probably pronounce his name wrong. Marte Mapu. Um, you got it. Been, Marte he, Mapu. He, he has been balling out. I've seen. And I have one question for you. I have. Um, I'm a big wide receiver guy because I think that wide receiver, you need a couple good wide receivers in your offense to make a football team go far. A couple of years ago when Jacoby Myers was an undrafted free agent, I had a gut feeling that because he was a quarterback turned wide receiver that he was going to pan out really well for this team. And I think he did pretty well for himself for that standpoint. And my guy that I think that if we don't get DeAndre Hopkins, I just kind of want your thoughts on what you've seen from Demario Douglas so far in the, the little mini camp that we had, just because I think mm-hmm. that's a guy that, can sneakily make your 53, and especially with Juju being banged up with that knee injury from last season. Demario Douglas seems like he's going to kind of have that potential to be a slot guy, have that Marcus Jones role on that offense, and then potentially be a punt returner slash kick returner if Marcus Jones is obviously he's going to be versatile all over the field, is getting tired. So I just kind of want your thoughts on what you've seen from those two and then your overall um, what you've seen from OTAs and minicamp so far. Yeah, so guys that have stood out, um, I would definitely say Marte Mapu, a guy who, you know, third-round pick out of Sacramento State, who, I mean, at the time I was not confused by the pick, but I just thought they had more needs. But, again, a guy who I, I through the four, four or five days that I've been out there and seen them, I, I was wrong about to even doubt them on that because the guy's a stud. 
He plays linebacker. He plays safety. Uh, Judon said it best the other day. He called him a, a guy who runs like a free safety and stands like a linebacker. And, I mean, that's the perfect way to put it. He's a guy who's going to fly around the field, make plays inside the box, outside the box. Um, and, again, I think he's going to have a real opportunity. That I don't know if he'll start, but he's going to play a significant amount of snaps on defense. Um, another guy, uh, Jack Jones, who I loved last year, I thought stood out in the last couple of days making athletic plays like we saw. Last season, he had obviously the nice interception on against Detroit uh, in the red jerseys, and then he had the pick six on Rodgers. Not a great end to last season with uh, the suspension and, you know, all the the stuff that happened after that. A guy who had some sort of character issues in college, so that when that bubbled up again, I was a little worried. But he's, when he's on the field, he's a dominant player, so if they can keep him out there, uh, he's going to succeed for you. So he, he shined the last couple of days. I think he'll compete to – play opposite corner from Christian Gonzalez, whether it's him or John Jones. Um, we'll see, but I think uh, I think he has a real chance to play a lot of a lot of snaps. Marcus Jones too, like you mentioned, as far as being a kick returner, punt returner, they were using him a little bit in uh, not necessarily offensive drills, but like when they would split up and do a ball security drill with the receivers, Marcus Jones would go over there every once in a while. So I know he said that he wants to be a defensive player primarily, but if they need him, then I feel like they're going to use him. And, you know, they, they did it in the Chicago game. They needed that quick burst of energy, and it worked out. For, I mean, again, it didn't work out for them because they, they lost to Chicago. But, you know, lining him up in the backfield, lining up, him up at receiver, I think that's certainly a possibility this year too. Um, and then the receivers, you mentioned Demario Douglas. He's looked, uh, he's looked solid. He's looked shifty. Um, a guy from Liberty who, again, when I think about Marte Mapu and him, two guys who come from small schools, uh, how how difficult is the transition going to be? It looks like uh, he hasn't really popped, but he looks like he belongs. He doesn't look overwhelmed out there. Sometimes, like, when you see guys like that, whether it be an Edley or a Trey Nixon or, you know, a couple guys from before that I can't think of their name, it looks mm-hmm. like they come in and they don't really even have a grasp on the league and are going to be out of the out of the system in two days. Demario Douglas is not that. He's he's fast. He looks like he, uh, he, looks like he, be, he belongs on an NFL field, so – uh, if Juju's knee injury lingers, uh, I would agree that he could potentially compete some for some reps in the slot. Um, if uh, again, if that lingers, so I, right now I have him. Uh, I posted a roster projection this morning, actually on wei.com. Right now, Demario Douglas is on my roster, so uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we have a full training camp, but uh, yeah, Jack Jones, Marte Mapu, Demario Douglas, uh, and obviously Christian Gonzalez has uh, has shined as well. So a lot yeah. to be optimistic nope. about. Uh, speaking of your roster projection, another guy that's on there uh, that you didn't mention here, Ty Montgomery. Uh, yeah. He's been having a pretty good offseason so far. He had a great offseason last year, came back now in good shape. Um, what can you – or how do you kind of feel about that in relation to the quick release of James Robinson? I think we all know yeah. when Robinson signed that contract, the way it was structured, he wasn't necessarily a guarantee to make the roster. and kind of feels as though Ty Montgomery has come in and the Patriots have sort of said, he's better than you. We're not going to pay you whatever it <laughs> yeah. is. We're not going to pay you $4 million if it's this close. And when we have guys right. like Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris kind of waiting in the wings. Yeah, I think the I think the Robinson thing too had a lot to do with injury. Um, he mm-hmm. was coming off the Achilles. So I think he banged up his knee at some point too. So I think he just couldn't stay healthy and didn't really pop in the, the limited time that they saw from him uh, this offseason. And his contract, I mean, the $4 million, it was uh, like none of it was guaranteed. So they yeah. were able to cut bait as soon as they wanted to. Um, I think it does speak too to, you know, the, the progress Tom Montgomery made 
from his injury last season. Uh, hurt his ankle, and then he hurt his shoulder after the fact. So uh, he was kind of banged up all year, and he's uh, he's getting he exactly around 30. So that's sort of the the time where guys start to fall off. But, no, he's yeah. looked great. Belichick, Belichick said he looks healthy. So, uh, I mean, I'll take Bill's word for it. Um, and, yeah, I think he's played uh, – He's played some running back. He's played some receiver in his career, and he's been doing both really for the Patriots. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a guy who I can see them, you know, kind of scheming using in a Bill O'Brien scheme anywhere, anywhere on the field. So um, if if Robinson stuck around and Pierre Strong continued to you know have some success this preseason, then I could have seen Ty Montgomery being the odd man out. But I mean, given that they they just cut bait with Robinson and you know. Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris haven't really popped like you'd want them to. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Montgomery's going to play going to play a pretty big role in the offense. Yeah, and you touched on it there. Both Strong and Robin, uh, Strong and Harris rather. When we brought him in yeah. last year, I think people kind of recognized this trend with the Patriots, where it's like you bring in Damian Harris when Sony Michelle's time's running up. Then immediately you bring in Stevenson. Then immediately you bring in Pierre Strong, kind of keeping that wave of running back. As opposed to those other guys, you know, year one, they weren't as successful. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of Kevin Harris, to be honest. Power back, he looked pretty good in that game against Arizona. Had a big mm-hmm. run against, I think, the Raiders. Um, but Pierre Strong's a guy I really like. If you can get him the ball in space, I think that's a guy that we could scheme into our offense really well. I know Kev agrees with me there. Um, how big of an impact can you see him making this season? Do you think that he'll be able to kind of work his way up the roster or is he still uh, maybe going to yeah. be just eased in because he's so young and, you know, hasn't really done much yet? I'm sort of in the same boat as you guys. Like I'm, I feel like he could and should have, you know, be able to have an impact in year two. They've, they've done this whole red shirt thing with basically all of their running backs besides mm-hmm. Lamondre a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, let him let him sit for a year, learn the system, and then year two, you know, put a plug and plug and play. Uh, Pierre Strong too. Like you think of Pierre Strong, and I do too, um, as a pass catcher, scat back, and that's sort of the, the build and frame he has. But when he was at South Dakota State, he was he ran like I, I forget how how many rushing yards he had, but I think he was like the leading rusher in in one double A when he was at San Diego State. So a, a dominant runner too. If you you get him some carries, he can you know run between the tackles just as much as he can catch the ball and, you know, like you said, get him the ball in space. So um, he, like, I go back and forth because I think that he has the skill set to shine and be able to play in the NFL, but we haven't really seen it all that much. He doesn't, like, he doesn't jump off the page. He doesn't jump off the field when, when watching practice. So, again, I ho- I, I'm hopeful that it can happen, but I haven't really seen much to tell me yeah, that he is it's... definitely going to be, you know, implemented in the system on day one. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I was going to touch on what you just said to the redshirt year. That's normally what Bill Belichick has done other yeah. than Stevenson. And it just seems like the year two mold. And I think Belichick talked about this yesterday, the day before, when he was asked about um, Strong and Harris. Is a big thing to be playing running back for that system is you got to be able to block. And if you can't right. pass protect the quarterback, you're not going to be on the field. So I think that is a big test for Strong. This offseason and this training camp is that once the pads come on, if he's able to block, in pass protection for Mac, then I think they'll be able to get on the field more. Cause like you said, he has speed. He's an elusive player. We saw runs versus Arizona and the Raiders that when he gets an open field, like he has good vision on the field. So if he can put those pads on and show us that he can be able to block, I think that his reps will continue to increase. And then 
An interesting name, too, with that running back market, too, is that a guy like Leonard Fournette still on that free agency market. I know that Lenny has visited the Patriots, I believe, twice at this point. I just wonder if there's any chance that Bill brings him in for a third time to see if uh, he wants to come join the team on, like, a limited basis just for that veteran leadership in that group as well, obviously, because Montgomery is a versatile guy. And then, like Dan said, we don't really know what we're going to get from Kevin Harris. He's just a power back, so... Maybe that'll happen as well. I thought I, I thought I saw, and I don't know how accurate this is, and that name came up the other day uh, when I was on Twitter. Someone had said that Fournette retired, but I don't know if it's actually official. No, I don't. Um, I'm not sure. I don't I'm, think he did. Okay, yeah, I don't either. But again, if 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 he, he like you said, he visited here before, so there's probably some interest on both sides. So I mean, if they for the right price, I'm sure he would, you know not necessarily come out of the retirement, but, you know, come back and play football for, for a team that, you know, is going to pony up some money. Uh, the other name, I guess, if you want to throw it out there, is Dalvin Cook, but he's just going to command way too much money, and I don't I don't think they should, and I don't think they will pay for it. Yeah. No, the only other name that I saw in that um, the free agents for running back that seemed appealing is Rex Burkhead because he's already been in the system. He kind of yeah. seems like a guy that still has a little bit of gas left. Not a, like, not a lot, but enough that – he can be productive when you need him to be, especially if like Ty Montgomery or something like that goes down with an injury. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. Again, given given the fact that their their room is thin anyway, that wouldn't really shock me to see that come down the wire that they signed him to like you know a one year deal just to you know take some carries away from Stevenson. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So one of the other big storylines on that offense early into this off season program, uh, and even going back to kind of free agency in the draft has been Trent Brown uh, got moved over to left tackle last year. Definitely took a step back. Now we've moved on from when uh, we haven't really brought in a guy that I think at this moment is our clear cut 100% right tackle. We kind of have a lot of guys Jousting for that position, Riley yeah. Reef, Connor McDermott, uh, Calvin Anderson, maybe City Sal if we decide to move him over. But how how secure do you think Trent Brown is on the roster right now? Seeing what his salary is, and you know if some of those other guys can perform, will the Patriots maybe feel like they could cut bait with him? Maybe get some draft compensation return. I've I've seen that the Bears maybe have some interest, um, you know, and shuffle things around that. Yeah, again, Trent's Trent's tough because when he's on, he is like a top top five, top ten tackle. When he's yeah. when he's playing his game, he's unbelievable. But it's so hard to reel him in. And Dante Scarnetia talked about it today, actually, and just how they need to get him to buy in. However, they can do it, whether it's players, whether it's coaches. If you get Trent to buy in, then you, that side of your line is locked down, and you only have to worry about the other side. So that's that's the tough part is getting him to actually do it. Um, but again, I think after what I saw for, at practice on Tuesday, I think they're going to do everything they can to to get Brown in the system and get him get him back bought in because he was at practice, but then left and was I, I assume he was back conditioning or something because he had missed mostly off season program. So I'm sure mm-hmm. they got him out there, showed his face, and then you know got him in, got him in, and getting getting a workout in or something. But um, yeah, I, I saw that he, was go- he missed the first day with like a missed flight. And then yeah, I, there's, I, there's a hailstorm. Yeah, so and then the meteorologist right. Bill didn't know what was going on. Yeah, there. and then I yeah I, yeah exactly. And then I I saw what you just mentioned there. They had him on the conditioning field the next day. Right. So that's and again, so he missed the practice, and the offensive line was awful that day. That mm-hmm. day. So I mean, on one hand, it's like okay, if he's not going to buy in and he's not going to care, then you know, see you later, cut bait. But 
you don't really have the the luxury to do that right now in the room. And I thought during the offseason process when they brought in Clem and they brought in O'Brien and they, uh, you know, they brought in the two veterans and Anderson and Reef, right? They were just sort of restocking the patchwork line that they put together last year and figured, okay, now that we're healthier, we have more depth and we have, you know, a blocking scheme or an offensive system that makes sense. We're confident that it's going to be okay. And I sort mm-hmm. of, that's, that's the vibe that I got from them. And I trusted them on it and thought that it would be fine. And again, it's only a few days and they're not in pads yet, but from what we saw, at least on Tuesday, they don't look, they kind of looked similar to what they looked like in 2020. They were in, or 2022 rather, they were in 11, 11 on 11s. And again, not in pads and Mac can't even get the ball off because the defensive line is just running through them. Yeah. A lot of would be Uh, sacks. Yeah. So not, not great from that, from that group so far, but I mean, again, once the pads go on and once they sort of start to understand the scheme and what they're, what they're going for this season with Clem and if, if you can get Trent on track, then I think they'll be okay, but. I guess I, I I feel like that's what I've said three or four times here, but I guess we're just going to have to see what happens because if you have Trent, then you'll be okay. If not, it's a whole nother story. Yeah. I, I think the situation, it's a little bit similar uh, to what we saw with Wynn going into last year. Uh, he has yeah. nowhere near the upside Trent Brown has, but, or at least at that time he didn't Trent Brown on his best day is much better than I think we've ever seen Isaiah win. Um, yeah. But, Going into last year, you know, he had that big contract. There was questions over his play, and a lot of people were saying we should cut him, we should trade him. I was very against that for, you know, some of the same reasons you just said, where it's like it does make financial sense, and it's understandable that you'd want to get some value for this guy before he leaves. But our offensive line just isn't in a place where you can justify that. Now, last year, it actually maybe would have been the right move because he had such a terrible season, and by the end of the year, it was Connor McDermott anyways. But – yeah, right. I mean, I, I agree with what you said there, where it's just I, until unless somebody really steps up and is just killing it at tackle and we're like, yeah, 100 percent, you know, we can put City Sow or Riley Reef, whoever we can put them at left tackle and they're our guy. They're fine. Right. Unless we see that happen. I don't think you can justify getting rid of Trent Brown, even if a trade offer does come in. Yeah, that's that's sort of my thing, right? It's like, wh- where do you go if you can't? uh if you let Brown go, I mean, then you're, you're going to work with Calvin Anderson and Riley Reef at the bookends. Then you're back to where you were last year when your only real, I guess, replacement is Connor McDermott and city Sow, who again, just came off playing guard and not a tackle. So yeah, exactly. I don't think they have the luxury to try and get rid of Trent. It seems like another uh, situation that has come up the last couple of days too, to move off from the offensive line group is Lawrence guy. Lawrence guy did not return, uh, done return to the practice fields for mini camp has not been seen at OTAs because of a contract dispute. I did see, cause I did look at your uh, 53 man roster projections before mm-hmm. the podcast started. You still have Lawrence guy on there. So you think that they'll be able to work at a deal and guy will be on the 53 man roster come week one. Yeah, I do. I just, again, that's a guy who, like, it's funny. That's a guy and his name's Guy. Haha. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, that's a, a player who has been here for a long time. He's, he's bought into the Patriot way. He's, you know, he does a lot of things in the community, him and his wife. He's like, he just seems like a consummate Patriot and a guy who, if, even if he's going to hold out for however long it is, I feel like him and Belichick will be able to come to some terms and meet in the middle somewhere. I don't think he's going to hold out for, you know, top tier defensive tackle money, especially at, you know, age 34, 35, whatever he is. Um, 
so I think they'll figure out a way to get it done and he'll remain here. I don't, a wild, I don't see that being much a of a wild problem. thing too about Lawrence Guy, and I feel like time just goes by so like so fast. Is that he's this mm-hmm. will be his seventh year as a New England Patriot. I feel like we just got him from Baltimore like three four years ago, but yeah. that's going to be his seventh year. And like you said, he does a lot in the community. He just seems like a team come first guy, but obviously he needs yeah. that boost because that contract extension in twenty. Uh, 2021, he took a team-friendly deal, so he's probably just looking for a little bit more reinsurance before he hits that retirement. Right, and I think they'll ultimately do it. Yeah. Um, One of the last big things I want to touch on here that we're probably going to see as a storyline during training camp but hasn't been talked about too much early on in the offseason, that would be kind of this new-look room uh, for the specialists. You've got – Jake Bailey's gone. Bryce Barringer's his replacement, it seems, from Michigan State. Um, and yep. then you have the competition for kicker between Chad Ryland and Nick Folk. Folk has been pretty reliable, but he's getting up there in age. We saw it last year. He doesn't really have the leg anymore that he used to. Coming up short on some kicks, his range is almost yeah. so far. Um, what have you seen from those younger guys so far? I know Barringer missed a lot of time early. I don't think he went to OTAs at all, but Chad Ryland, you know, how have those guys been early on? They've been um, fine. Again, Barringer has a pretty good leg. Um, I think he'll he'll be he'll, like I said. I think he'll be the punter, and I think Ryland will be the kicker. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's, as again, they're not like uh, they're not the best players out on the field, where everyone's sort of gravitating towards the special teams field. But with what they with what the Patriots used for draft capital on them, I think they were like fourth and fifth round picks or fifth and sixth. I forget exactly, but uh, fifth again, they, and sixth, I'm pretty sure. Fifth yeah. and sixth. Yeah. Or fourth so, and sixth. Yeah. And so they, they put a lot behind them. So they're not going to cut a fourth round kicker. They're not going to cut a sixth round punter. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening, which is why I think they're going to roll. I mean, again, if they, if they draft a kicker in the fourth round and cut him, that's just no. He would. He would uh, have to did. be. Uh, he would have to be as bad as Justin Rohrwasser, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. He would need like racist tattoos on him. You know, <laughs> well, they, they traded up for him too. Yeah, that's the crazy exactly. thing. They they moved him up with the Jets to get him too. It's like mm-hmm. pick one fourteen or something like that. Yeah. Right. So even if even if Nick Folk had a better tandem than him, I still think they would ultimately keep Ryland because they just they simply spent too much to go get him. Um, and then same with Barringer. I think you know a young guy who all, all he has to do is beat out Corliss Waitman, who was, you know, sitting on, sitting on the side of the road, waiting for a contract, just like, uh, you know, just like everybody else. So I, I don't think Barringer is going to have a problem making a team either. I think that those are pretty standard that those two young guys are going to be the kickers. I found the funniest thing with that. It was a good question, Dan, that you asked, um, because Belichick got asked that the other day in his press conference and Belichick being the special teams guru, like he will have, so they had to make sure 15 guys on that 53-man roster, like Chris Borden, all those guys that are just going to play special teams to make that roster. And he literally, when he was asked about those, uh, the kicker and the punter, he was just like, you're asking me about special teams. He's like, I don't really know what to tell you. They kick and they punt. Like, that's pretty much yeah. it. So it's just funny at Bill's MO. He's like, I don't give a shit about those two. They'll make the team. And that's it. You'll see them kick a field goal and punt the ball. That's it. Right. Yeah. Um I we've gone through pretty much everything. I don't I don't have a ton else, Kev. I don't know if you've got anything more with this team. Uh, certainly a huge year coming up. I would say you know we talked about it there. Could be you know the end of Mac Jones if things don't go well, or you know maybe this team brings in Hopkins and we make a run to an AFC Championship or something. So this is a giant year as far as the future of this team. A lot is going to be decided based off of this year. 
Very excited uh, to see what is in store. You guys can check out Mike over on WEI. I believe you're going on the late show tonight. Yes, um, uh, co-hosting the Rick Keefe show from 7 to 8 p.m. So if you want to tune in that, more than welcome. WEI.com as well. And uh, yeah, follow on Twitter at Mike Cadillac if you want some some obnoxious Patriots takes as well. Yep. As always, guys, check us out over at the Two Minute Drill on Instagram. And uh, we will catch you next week.